Thanks, everybody. Good morning. <clears throat> my name is Miguel. I'm a little under the weather, if you can tell from my voice. But um, it's my privilege to uh, kick off this service, this Zoom service. We never thought we'd be back here, but here we are. Um, hope and trust that everybody's doing okay, even if you um, caught a little bit of a, a certain virus out there. So this new year, um, as uh, Pastor Paul mentioned, we want to uh, continue the, the theme of building um, God's house. And we wanted to uh, specifically talk about building God's house of prayer. So um, I, I'm going to lead us in a, a brief homily here for about 10 minutes or so. And then I'll give us some instructions for our concert of prayer. But I wanted us to think about this morning um, for Jesus's vision for building uh, the house of prayer. And I want uh, to draw our attention to um, Mark chapter 11. If you remember, uh, Jesus ends up going to the temple right after the triumphal entry. He goes to the temple to find it only distorted and lost in the tradition of man. And he says these words, he says, Is it not written that my house should be a house of prayer for all nations? And I wanted us to, to think about what's going on here in, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. Um, it's very important that uh, we think about the triumphal entry as a part of this whole story. Uh, and the reason that's important is because uh, back in the day, uh, the, the, the Greco-Romans had this uh, tradition where in, in the case of a victory, especially a victory at war, what would happen is there would be this procession all the way from the city gates to the cultic centers and right at the cultic center, they would perform this um, this uh, ritual to the God that had just brought them victory in that war. And Jesus is sort of taking that and inverting it on its head. Um, the triumph, the triumphal entry is sort of this way that he's riding in after having overcome the temptations of the devil and initiating, inaugurating sort of the kingdom of God. Um, and then he goes to the temple only to find that it is corrupted by the religious system of its day. And Jesus says he, uh, he overthrows the tables and he's upset. And he says the words from Isaiah, Is it not written that my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? Um, and what Jesus is doing, he's, he's doing this play on words. The term house actually is refers, refers to like a line, a lineage, uh, a dynasty, or even a people. And um, Jesus basically is saying, I want my people, my house of prayer, to be marked by the intimate fellowship that comes through prayer. So um, to, to help flesh out what Jesus is, where Jesus is quoting from, and uh, we're going to read uh, chapter 56 of Isaiah. So um, the, that's going to be on the screen there for everybody to see, and you can just read along with me. Um, it says this, verse 3, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For the Lord says, thus says the Lord, 
to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose, excuse me, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Verse 6, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. It's such a rich passage, and, and I wish we had time to, you know, dive into it and, and pull apart all the meat because there's so, so much there. But I just wanted to highlight a couple of things for us as we enter into our time of prayer. And that is this, that God's vision for his people is prayer. And there should be a slide up there that says that. There you go. Prayer is God's vision for his people. And why is prayer God's vision for his people? I, I just wrote, summarized it really quickly. It keeps us connected and it makes us joyful. Prayer keeps us connected and prayer makes us joyful. And um, we want to ask ourselves, what, what, is it, what does prayer keep us connected to? And the answer is it keeps us connected to the God of Scripture. Um, in this passage, we see that, um, that, that it says in verse 3, Let not the foreigner say, the Lord will separate me. And if you remember Jesus, one of the things that he is mad about, actually, in overthrowing, you know, the, the, the temple and, and seeing all these money changers and this, the distortion of the temple is that um, the Gentiles were actually excluded from a lot of the temple prayers and customs and these sort of things. But Jesus, by quoting this passage in Isaiah, he's saying, hey, the Gentiles are a part of this thing. Um, it's the God of Scripture that, um, that, re- that calls us back um, to the Abrahamic covenant that that um, Abraham was going to be a blessing to all nations. So prayer keeps us connected to the God of Scripture. Um, prayer also keeps us connected to the God who is a keeper of covenant promises. And this is so good because, you know, in that scene where Jesus is overthrowing the, the, the temple and how it's distorted, um, basically, you know, God, Jesus was saying, hey, the, my vision, God's vision for the temple is not yet complete, but I serve a God. My God is the Father who is a promise keeper. He's going to keep that covenant, and he's going to establish something much greater than what you see here. Um, we come through prayer to the God who is a rewarder, 
And um, if you look quickly at verse five, um, what is what is the reward? There are many rewards that come through uh, through this passage, but one of them that I want to highlight for us is that it says in verse five, "I will give them within my house and within my walls a monument." Um, and this term monument is, um, is, it's sort of this idiom. It's not just a monument as we might think of it, like a structure of stone or marble that was fashioned, but a monument actually is an idiom where, um, that conveys sort of authority and responsibility and care and dominion over something. So God, Jesus, by quoting this passage is saying, Hey, um, I, I want to give to my people um, part of my arm, like an authoritative part of my arm to reach out and be that, you know, literally the hands and feet of God, uh, of Jesus. Through prayer, God wants us to, um, to, to, for us to have that delegated power that, that, um, you know, that, that we would enact the desires of God, his will upon the earth. And so, church, our prayers are the way that God acts on the earth. Prayer also makes us joyful because it gives us holy purpose. You know, without prayer, our lives turn into this meaningless sort of meandering where we're just consuming and doing things our own way. But prayer reminds us that it makes us servants of the King. Holy purpose helps us overcome obstacles. When life gets hard, we can be reminded through prayer that there's something deeper going on, something more meaningful. Um, prayer is makes us joyful because it gives us a taste of Edenic fellowship, of, of, the, of this, the same, same um, f- taste that Adam and Eve had in the garden when they were fellowshipping with the Lord and they were walking with God, that intimacy. This is what prayer reminds us of. Um, we read in verse 7 that uh, God would place those upon his holy mountain. And holy mountain is sort of this Eden language that comes with prayer and being in the presence of God. And finally, uh, prayer uh, makes us joyful because it's for all nations. It's for the worship of all nations. And around us, we see how the world is trying to create unity apart from God. And generally, it's distorted. But thankfully, in Christ, we have unity for all nations that, that is transcendent because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Um, we are not outcasts because of Jesus. And God loves the outcast, as it says in this passage in the very last verse. So our prayers, Solano Church, are indispensable. They're essential. They are the vision that God had for his people and has for his people. So um, let's let's pray together, and um, I'm going to pray for our time, and then I'll give us some instructions for, for how you can participate this morning. So pray with me. Uh, Father, we, we come before you, and we just ask that you would make uh, your house of prayer um, through us, God. Um, we we want to be a people that find our rest in you. We want to be people who um, keep your covenant, God, that approach you with hearts full of faith, Lord. Uh, we don't want to make church or 
your temple in our image, God, but we ask that you would make your church in the way that you want us, want us, want us to be, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move freely among us, God, and and really that we would tap into your will and your desires for Solano for 2022. God, I pray that you would activate each member and each member's spiritual gifts, Lord. You know how you've dispensed those upon us. And we pray, Lord, that that would be true this year. Um, yeah, I pray these things uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.